Jesus reaches across the top of the table, grabbing by the handle a small lamp. He sets it directly before himself on the tabletop. He looks at it intently before speaking again. Then he said to them, Is a lamp brought into the room to be put under a bucket or underneath the bed? Surely, he says, taking up the lamp, holding it up high into the evening air, surely its place is on the lampstand. There is nothing hidden which is not meant to be made perfectly plain one day, and there are no secrets which are not meant one day to be common knowledge. If a man has ears, he should use them, he exclaimed suddenly for the second time that day. Everyone awaits his next words. It is just around the sunset time of the same day as the sower and seed parable, as the explanation of said parable for his disciples sitting around this very same table. And the freshness of the evening air pairs beautifully with the intensity of his words. Everyone feels particularly awake, attentive. Jesus sits back in his chair and takes another bite of food. Around the table, set out here underneath the spreading branches of the trees on the hillside, are additional crowds of potential disciples of his. They, like the disciple apostles, have been with him all day, from the seaside, up through the town, all the way up to the now. They are ringed round the table in the freshening, darkening scene of this supper. Jesus sits forward. Be careful how you listen, he said to them all quietly. Whatever measure you use will be used towards you, and even more than that. For the man who has something will receive more. As for the man who has nothing, even his nothing will be taken away. He rises to his feet and begins to pick up dishes from the table. The mother-in-law of Simon Peter lets him. She understands. He makes two stacks of approximately the same number of plates and takes two trips back and forth carrying them toward the brook that runs just past the nearest rise. After the second trip over, he sits on the edge of the brook, takes off his sandals, cools his feet in the water, and with a bit of brook-bottom sand, scours the plates and cleans them in the current. The sunset colors are lost now in the canopy of the tree line. In a short while, a crescent moon will rise over top the hills. In two trips, he then carries the plates back over toward the house. He dries them with a piece of homespun cloth and sets them on the inside table. When he walks back outside, everyone is still sitting and standing where they'd been. They turn to watch him approach and sit back down. A pair of men, not at the table, standing over under the branches of one of the trees, happened to be loudly discussing one of the men's plans for seeding a certain field. Actually, they are arguing about it a bit. The one whose field it is, is absolutely convinced that a rotation of a certain crop will yield both good returns and a restoration of the soil for years, 
while the other is just as absolutely convinced that the, that the preceding plan for seating is foolishness. The whole quiet dinner setting becomes awkwardly the background for their rising voices. As always, opinions become more hard and fast when argued on the fly. Then Jesus suddenly said, his voice breaking up that argument mid-flight, the kingdom of God is like a man scattering seed on the ground. And then going to bed each night and getting up every morning, while the seed sprouts and grows up, though he has no idea how it happens. The earth produces a crop without any help from anyone. First a blade, then the ear of corn, then the full-grown grain in the ear. And as soon as the crop is ready, he sends his reapers in without delay. For the harvest time has come. His voice trails off as he's thinking of something. Perhaps, in fact, he's thinking of something like this. Of the eternal, celestial, bigger than the biggest potential earthly understanding of something that's big enormity of the heavenly kingdom of God the Father, of their joint rule and reign over the impossible bigness of that kingdom before even the dawn of, even the idea of a dawn of a thing called time, which was and is a thing totally unrelated to that kingdom's power and glory, of how all creation fits somehow incomprehensibly to us, perfectly comprehensibly to them, into the scheme of that kingdom's perfect will, of how the hugeness of that kingdom spread its perfections across the imperfections of people, time, history, earthly kingdoms, and all our brokennesses, of how he himself has come to plant the seed of that very kingdom into the hearts surrounding him around this very dinner table, of how the word of God himself can best use words and descriptions, turns of phrase, metaphors, similes, to make all of that make sense. All of that perhaps just casually crossed his mind. Then he continued, what can we say the kingdom of God is like? How shall we put it in a parable? He is, by the way, asking those rhetorical questions not to his hearers or even to himself. That we is the first person plural of the very Godhead. He is speaking aloud quite realistically to the Spirit of God. Ah, it is like a tiny grain of mustard seed, which, when it is sown, is smaller than any seed that is ever sown. But after it is sown in the earth, it grows up and becomes bigger than any other plant. It shoots out great branches so that the birds can come and nest in its shelter. So, Mark adds parenthetically, he taught them his message with many parables such as their minds could take in. He did not speak to them at all without using parables, although in private he explained everything to his disciples. And that day still wasn't done for the record. For on the evening of that day, after the crescent moon had risen, he said to the disciples, let us cross over 
to the other side of the lake. So they sent the crowds home. All those ringed round the table wander off into the developing darkness. The quiet hush of night is descending. Jesus, with the disciples, descends the hillside toward the water's edge. The town through which they pass is in the middle of getting children to bed, shutters closed, all but the most necessary lamps already snuffed out. The air is mostly still. Wood fire hangs above houses. The gentle breeze blowing has the sea about as silent as the lake it is. The moon is shining upon the water out ahead, creating that lovely track of light across its surface, white and ghostly. They arrive back at the shoreline. And then they took him with them in the little boat in which he had been sitting earlier while teaching, accompanied by other small craft. The fishermen take charge of the launch, pushing out, getting everyone situated, trimming the sail, tacking as needed given the easterly wind. Everyone gets comfortable for the night ahead sailing. Jesus is already making his cloak into a pillow. He is back in the stern, lying on a cushion. The rest of the men in the boat move into their accustomed activities. The fishermen, talking of the spots most likely to be running at this season. The zealot and tax collector, arguing. The working men, knowing of the value of a good night's sleep, thus sleeping. Jesus, again, already falling asleep. The crescent moon only faintly lights the heights of the distant shore. They stand out slightly darker than the starry sky overhead. If anyone had been paying any extra attention, they might have noticed, after perhaps a half an hour, that the wind was slowly starting to rise. And then suddenly came a violent squall of wind which drove the waves aboard the boat until it was almost swamped. That wind blew down over the hills through the dusty streets of the village and began to chop up a cauldron of waves over the whole face of the sea. It was already happening before anyone could even notice. The waves were buffeted high. The formerly glassy waters now stood up row upon row as seeming walls of dark pitching monsters. The, the prow of the boat would rise, 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 and then best case, straight ahead, worst case, at an angle, drop down into the next trough to follow. It immediately seemed to the fishermen as if it wasn't a question of sinking, it was only a question of prolonging the inevitable, figuring out how not to drown. The non-seafarers in the group simply held onto the gunnels of the boat and prayed that their fishermen friends would figure out a way to get them through the next few minutes. In the distance, a sheet of lightning sparks. All it illuminates is the chaos surrounding all they can see. And also, Jesus, in the stern, asleep on the cushion. For some reason, this sight actually angers them. It's almost as if they'd forgotten all about him in the run-up. They suddenly think of all they've seen him do, all his wonder-working power, his authority, and now one of their numbers moves back toward the rear. 
They awoke him with the words, Master, don't you care that we're drowning? And he woke up, shaken awake by this voice in his face, gathering himself as his senses catch up, sitting up slowly on that cushion in the stern. He looks around for a long, long moment. His bare feet are down in the hull of the boat where the seawater sloshes back and forth. His eyes are trained upon the row upon row of descending waves. He too sees the next flash of lightning, feels the wind howling across his face, realizes that his whole body is wet from the swamping that's been happening while he slept. And then he rises to his feet. He holds the edge of the boat, ducks under the boom, and heads forward. He stands on the bow of the boat and looks out seaward over the crest of the next wave, looks off into the darkness. And he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, speaking in a calm, quiet tone of voice, Hush now, be still. And the wind dropped, dying at the drop of a hat, like a turnoff switch had been tripped, and everything was very still. The waters went from great rows of breakers to a silent glassy sea in the space of time that it just took me to say those words. The feel of the night went from imminent death to calm, tranquil, sleepy relaxation just as fast as you can humanly imagine. Everything was peace now. The almost silence of a boat in still waters. The subtle creak of the riggings against the mast. The return of the sound of the birds crossing from shore to shore. Jesus turns and regards them in the darkness. Why are you so frightened? What has happened to your faith? He asks them. Then silently, he passes past them, making for the stern again. But sheer awe swept over them, and they kept saying to each other while he fluffed his pillow, Whoever can he be? Even the wind and the waves do what he tells them. But Jesus is already fast asleep again, back there on his wet cushion.